The Real Food Reel is proudly sponsored by Melrose Health. Founded in 1979, Melrose Health has been delivering improved health over three decades by developing natural, delicious and innovative health foods from the best natural and organic ingredients. Their healthy kitchen oils range has just launched and includes my favourites, liquid coconut oil, grass-fed ghee and avocado oil. Visit melrosehealth.com.au or check out at Melrose Health on Instagram to learn more. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Worth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Ali McLean, Katie Pettuccini, and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness, and optimizing your health, metabolism, and longevity. While you're tuning into today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Real. In episode 192 of The Real Food Real, we are joined by Kat John. Kat is one of the most positive and inspirational people I know, but it hasn't always been that way. Through sharing her personal story from pain to power, you will learn that you are not your thoughts and that you don't have to attach to your darkness, but learn to tune into a different frequency. I guarantee this episode will leave you ready to take action and create a life that you are excited to live. Hi, Kat, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Steph. Nice to be here. Yes. And now I always say I'm really excited about the guests that I have on the show, but I'm particularly excited about having you on The Real Food Real. Um, I've known you for a little while now, but what you probably don't know is I'm a total Cat John stalker. I follow everything that you do online. <laughs> um, and I can't oh, wait to share everything that you do with my audience. But to set the scene, you know, I really would love for you to essentially tell us a little bit about yourself and and your story like I found it to be you know really powerful and inspiring and I'd love to hand it over to you to share what you feel comfortable with us today yeah sure um I guess where I am today is not where people people I guess think that where I am today is where I've always been if that Mm -hmm. makes sense you know that um bright energetic vivacious uh, confident, loving, all those kind of things, woman. And the short answer is that that hasn't always been the case. Um, so to, to give some, I guess, backstory to that, um, most of my, I, I was brought up in a, in a really loving, great family. Um, there was no, you know, yuckiness in terms of my actual upbringing family-wise. Um, but when I was a child, I was sexually abused at the age of six and that, you know, I mean, I know that there's a lot of people that that has happened to. Um, 
and, and you know that that really sets you up for uh, a, a life or a belief system that is not so crash hot. So I grew up a lot of my life thinking that um, you know I deserved bad things to happen to me. I deserved pain. Um, I must have been a bad person for that to. I must have been a bad person for that to happen. So I guess I just saw me as bad. I, I made me equal bad. Um, and so that, that sort of led to destructive behaviours when I was in, in adolescence. Um, I became ex- extremely angry and enraged at life and was very short-tempered, hyper-emotional, very, very sensitive. Um, I went down the path of bulimia, um, you know, obsessive compulsive behaviours. I needed to control something because internally I was feeling out of control. So that's why I think I led, you know, I went down the path of of bulimia. I needed to control something, but also I had a poor self-image. And the obsessive compulsive behaviour of, you know, having things in certain ways, again, just made me feel like I had control but then weirdly enough, I sort of went into my 17, 18, 19, 20 years and lost control. And I don't know if you call me a drug addict, but I was certainly addicted to drugs Thursday through to Sunday every week for that period of time. Um, so for someone who loved control and, and wanted to find ways, it was really, it was an interesting shift to kind of go to these drugs that made me feel out of control, which I guess gave me a feeling of feeling free of the internal torture. Mm. Um, so I'll give you the points because otherwise I could talk forever about this <laughs> crappy old life that I've lived. Yeah. <laughs> so from, from that, from there, I, whilst I was taking drugs, uh, I was studying nursing and um, going to university and so it was kind of weird. I was like this two-split person. But I started to get chronic pain when I was taking drugs and I remember there was one night I was rubbing my back up against the wall and there was this god-awful nerve pain in my body and I thought, far out, this is bad. This is like, this is, this is really, really painful. But being a bit of a, you know, being ignorant, I was totally ignorant. Um, I just ignored it and got on with it and kept partying and um, reached a point where in the partying, still having that, that pain, that nerve pain that was there, I reached a point where I was, you know, not sleeping. I was very skinny. I think I was 48 kilos, um, you know, not sleeping well, not eating. And i got to a point where I couldn't even recognize myself when I was taking drugs and I went to go and throw myself off a balcony and my friends um, they ran after me and pulled me back and they they shoved me in an ice cold bath and said dude you have got to sort it out and from from that point that's when I actually stopped taking drugs Um, I went to the Philippines with my mum she's Filipino and I went to the Philippines with her and just kind of got smacked by reality to sort my stuff out um, but in 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 with that I stopped the drugs but that chronic pain was was still there and I went into the nursing world and did my nursing but the pain was really bad and I think I was four years into traditional hospital nursing and then I had to get out the the night shift was killing my back and I was getting addicted to pain medication um, panadol panadine endone valium 
So I was a bit of a hot mess and then I started working for a plastic surgeon who was nine to five nursing, which I thought that would be great, you know, that might take away the pain because it's not night shift. So I attribute it to night shift. Um, but then it was one day, this is sort of the end of my painful life where things got really bad and I needed to sort myself out again. But I was standing at the top of the stairs and my boss said, come on, Kat, we're going to go get the next patient. And I couldn't walk down the stairs. Like I, I had no way of my brain sending a message to my foot to tell it to move. And I was completely, I was stuck. I didn't know how, I didn't know how to walk. I didn't know how to move. And, um, I was really, I got scared. I got really, really scared. And my boss, he brought me down the stairs and he sent me across the road to the Epworth Hospital and I got a MRI, um, which then I found out probably two days later that I had a brain condition that was turning me into a paraplegic and I needed to have brain surgery within six weeks to correct, <laughs> to correct my brain. <sighs> so... In a nutshell, because I'm sure I've given you enough nuts in that nutshell, <laughs> and I don't want to like dominate the talk, but that's 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 where I have been. And Steph, the, the entire time, I hated myself. I hated life. I I had low self confidence, low self belief. I was negative. I had a very negative, I guess, view of myself and the world. And you know. A lot of the time during during that that period of growing up, I just I didn't want to be here, and um, I wanted a way out. But I guess instead, I find it a, I found a I found a better way out, <laughs> which is where I am today. Yeah, and it's such amazing. It's just I get shivers every time I hear it, and yeah. you know, as you've probably learned along the way, the the sad reality is like you're not alone. You know, everyone's got yeah. their own story. Um, and I did want to speak to what you said before because knowing you now like that, it's just mind-blowing that you were ever not this bubbly, happy, you know, really inspiring person. So mm. I do want to, like, you know, I do want to talk about that because it can offer those that are still in a really dark place the hope. And, you know, obviously there was a lot that went on over a number of years, but I'd love if you could talk to us about that that catalyst or that final light bulb that you were like, all right, I've yeah. really got to make a change. Um, oh God, I get I get shivers just thinking mm-hmm. about it. The the light bulb for me, it was a year after I had the brain surgery. Um, so I had the operation and came out of it. Now my whole family they were hopeful that the chronic pain would go. We all were. Uh, because it was debilitating every part of my life. So I came out of the, the operation and because I was, you know, on anaesthetic, it felt like there was no pain. So it was like, oh, my God, it worked. This is great. Yes. You know, this is brilliant. Thank God. And then the, you know, the hard drugs wore off and there it was again. And it's like people out there that, who have got either fibromyalgia or they know what nerve chronic nerve pain is, it is so God awful. It's like someone has lit your entire nerve structure on fire and it goes, go and live the day like that and be happy. Mm. Um, so it came back. It, well, it was always there. It was a false alarm of yay, pain-free. So uh, when that happened, I 
got back on the pain medication, they actually put me on antipsychotics because antipsychotics, there's one particular that de- it tries to um, reroute the, the nerve structure that is in pain so it doesn't send the message to your brain that you're in pain and that's how it's meant to work at a, at a simplistic level. But it, whether it made me no pain or not, it turned me into a zombie. Mm-hmm. Um, I was zombified, if that's even a word, and I was horrible. I was a, I was a horrible being to be around. Um, and that was, a, that, was, that was my life for a year after the surgery. So this is now eight years of chronic pain and I got to a point I was sitting at home, it was nighttime, everyone had gone to sleep and I got on my computer and I sent an email to my family and I just wrote, for the love of God, please help me die. I just want to die. I hate, makes me want to cry now, I hate this life. I'm not living life. I hate it. I just hate it. And you know, my parents are, obviously my family's an amazing family and they always have rallied behind me and um, they said, we can't give, we can't give up on you, you know, we're not going to give up hope. Even though you've lost hope, we'll be your hope. So the catalyst for me was, was, that was the first catalyst of, of wanting to give up, you know, by, by actually wanting to leave this life. And my mum, she used to be a nurse, but she was a volunteer at the Austin Hospital and she knew someone there who knew a professor of neurology. So they don't do surgery. They work out how the brain works. And, I mean, God was clearly looking out for me or the universe, whatever you want to call it. And usually it takes sometimes a year to see him, but he saw me within a matter of a week. And I walked into his office with my parents, told him where I was at, and <laughs> I was like, you know, used to the sympathy card. Mm. And he just said, he just said, you know what, Kat, I was 23 or 24 at the time. He said, you've been dealt. There's no doubt you have been dealt a shit card. He said, but you're 23 and you're acting like you're 90. And he said, there's no silver bullet. There's no magic pill that you can swallow. He said, you need to fight for your life like an Olympic athlete will train for that gold medal and train and train and train and train and train. He said, your gold medal is to be alive again. Mm, wow. And dude, oh my God, I just got goosebumps in. He, oh, I was mm. like, what he said, I, I didn't know what he was saying at a cognitive level, but at a, at a heart, at, a, at, an, at an emotional level, at a soulful level, I was like, oh, my God, he has pushed on buttons mm. that I have never felt pushed, but it, it just did something. Like I know that sounds so cliche and like, oh, my God, lucky you, but it literally did something to the point where I walked out of there and I turned to my parents and I said, get rid of all the medication. I'm not taking another one of those things within one year, which was, which would have been my birthday. I said, by the time it is my birthday, I will be pain-free. I will be drug-free and I will manage this myself. And it was like, it was like one of those light bulb moments. It was one of those, like everything went off inside me and just refocused everything. It was like I channeled all the energy that I was putting out into 
being a victim of my circumstance and I just channeled into stuff this, I'm going to be pain-free and I will make this happen. I don't care. And yeah. in 10 months, it was actually in 10 months. By the time it was my birthday, I was like, I was pain-free. You know, I don't think it does sound cliche. I think it's a really good example of, you know, obviously there's more to the healing process, but mm. the mind, like how much you had to shift your mindset. And, yep. you know, I'm, I'm confident you're going to say that was a huge part of the, of the healing yep. journey. We know that. It was the first part. Mm. It was, it was the, it was the first part. It was a complete shift of mental focus. That's when I, again, I wasn't into spirituality or soulful living or heartful living or anything about that back then. But in hindsight, that was, that was my moment that actually, um, that actually came to fruition of what you focus on becomes your reality. It's that, it's that saying, you know, everyone, everyone knows that cognitively. Yeah, your focus is your reality or your focus becomes your reality. But whether we live by that, you know, way of belief or that way of life is another story. And that, that focus, that focus, that sheer focus and feeling of like, oh, my God, I've just, I need something more than what I'm going through. And so I'm just now going to focus on the feeling of freedom and the feeling of being like able in my body and well in my body and, and, and calm and at peace with who I am and where I'm at in my life. And that, that's where the channel went. That's where the, the current went. Yeah, that's amazing. I think yeah. you're right. People, I think people know this, but they probably don't believe it so much unless yep. you've had that real personal yes. experience where it's, you know, night and day that it makes the entire difference, like everything. 100%. Mm, 100%. So- and yeah, it's, it's, yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on. It's firsthand experience where there's a notable shift where it's like, Jesus, that actually works, you know, and what is the it that works, the it that works, where the it, you know, I'm the it, you're the it, it's, it's where the it behind it working or not. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. I completely agree with you. I think that I want to know though, like how long it took you to, because I feel like, you need time to actually kind of see the changes and maybe some people take longer to have that sort of final epiphany, but did it take, was it instantaneously or was it more like, all right, I've got to chip away at this for the next couple of months until it becomes automatic? Yeah, absolutely. It was the day that I made that decision, you know, I was, I was scared, dude. Like Mm. I had, it was weird because I wanted to make the choice or I did make the choice but there were all these beliefs that were like, oh, no, if I get well, people aren't going to ask me how I am anymore. People aren't going to care about me. People aren't going to, you know. So this was my, my, my dark, unconscious, limiting beliefs going on. That, that, that became my battle, you know. So it be, that, was the first, that was the first mental battle that I had to overcome, that people wouldn't care about me if I was well. So that could have been me very that I could have very easily given into that and gone oh well you know the longer I stay a victim then the more care I'm going to get or the more attention that I'm going to get the next mental hurdle that I had to overcome so this was while I was staying focused 
whilst I was getting up in the morning, going for runs, going for walks, which my, my unconscious limiting belief stuff was like, dude, if you do this, you're going to be in so much pain. You're going to be so uncomfortable. Your, you know, your, your nerve pain is going to be set on fire. And then that means you're going to be miserable. So just don't get up. Like that was what, that was the, the battle that I had to deal with actually the entire time because I'd been in such a pain, chronic pain mental cycle that doing anything different outside of that, I was always fighting against that force telling me don't do it. So I think it probably took me six months to really just get into the rhythm where my alarm would go off and I'd be like, yep, cool, up I go to the gym. I mean, yes, those thoughts were still there of like, oh, my God, I can't be bothered. I don't want to do it. What if this happens? What if that happens? But the automated response had had taken over. Um, And by then, when the 12 months came, when it was my birthday, I think it was actually after my birthday, I was like, oh, my God, hang on a minute. I set this target. I set this goal for myself. And then when I actually checked back in, I was like, holy moly, I'm not in pain anymore. So I had become so focused on what I was doing that the pain wasn't even a part of the story. So, yeah, it took time. Yeah, absolutely. But it is, it's programming your subconscious so that eventually you get up and you go to the gym. You actually aren't thinking about it. It's You wouldn't start your day any other way or whether it's yoga or a walk or whatever it might be. I think this applies you know, outside the chronic pain environment because some people find 100%. it so hard for, you know, that habit formation. They think they're yep. never going to be able to change, but it's like anything. It's like learning to ride a bike. It's, it's practice. There's no magic yep. pill again. There's not, there's not. And that, that's where I think that's where I fell. I went into that trap that there's got to be a pill. There's got to be a quick way out. There's got to be a magic fix. Uh, and the quicker, the quicker, I understood that and the quicker anyone else out there can understand that, then you've already, you've already opened up a door to freedom. You've already opened up a door to an easier life when you're not searching for the fix. Yeah. So, yeah. Full on. So I want to know um, <laughs> when you decided to use your personal lessons and, and make a career out of it? Because I, I don't think mm. our, not all our listeners will know what you're doing these days. So maybe give us yep. a little bit of an overview as, as to what you're doing in that more sort of career area and then how so, you got there, how you made that a career. So what I do now, I've got a coaching business, which is one-on-one in person, or I've got um, a, well, this, is, this will be launching very soon, an online coaching program called Pain to Power. So that's more, the, the one-on-ones, I guess, are, are more tailored. And the, the online coaching program is a theme each week that um, there's a different focus each week, which brings, you know, different perspective, different light to the, to the topics in life that cause us pain or dis-ease or discomfort or frustration. Um, so that's one side of the business now. Uh, there's meditation. So I do, I run meditation events um, or I get asked to to open up events in meditation. And then I have an online meditation program as well, which is very similar to the coaching program. It's a new theme each week and brings insights through the practice of meditation. And then there's my, then there's speaking. Um, so I go out either to my own speaking events um, or I speak at schools and 
corporate organizations um really you know sharing sharing my story and sharing just very similar to what we're talking about here how i made that shift from a, a, a disempowered life to to where it's all at now so that's my jam and that's what I do. And the shift to that, um, well, I used to be a nurse. So I was a registered nurse and I was working at the plastic surgery practice as the head nurse there. So I was consulting women coming in who were looking to um, change a part of themselves. Um, physically, they're, they're usually either their breasts or their stomach after children or before children, whatever it was. After I had my my personal shift where... I, you know, became more empowered. I was more, I was pain-free. Um, the way that I was, I was consulting these women, I was so bad at selling surgery, Steph. Like I was just, <laughs> I didn't care about selling surgery. All I wanted to help is, or I just wanted to help these women make it, make the choice from an empowered place. So, Again, this is all from hindsight, but I, I could see that, you know, uh, if they were wanting to do it to, to, for them to feel beautiful or for someone that they would think that they would get more love or attention or something like that. And so I guess for me to remain authentic to where I was at the time, I, I wanted to really help them make an empowered choice. And if they were going to make it, rock and roll, do it for you, you know. So as as that was going on, I started to really see that I had the right message and I was really wanting to make a difference there, but it was kind of the wrong platform. You know, I was there to sell surgery. I was there to be there and to be the nurse and that kind of stuff. Um, but there was more that I wanted to do. So as I was working there, I went and studied a graduate diploma of psychology at Melbourne University. Um, so that took a year and a half. So I was working part-time, I was studying, but then I had also done my own courses in the background, you know, for my own personal growth. Um, and I, I think at the time I was just playing around with things. Like I started a, a business page and just started putting my own thoughts up there, my own quotes up there. And some people would then just message me and they said, hey, I'd love to come and have a chat to you, you know, could you help me on some certain things? And I thought, huh, what's going on here? And I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about my own business or like a consulting business or a coaching business, nothing. Um, and, I, you know, I would see people and would, I would just do it for free in the beginning. Um, and then people were really wanting to, to pay me. I thought, oh, my God, I feel a bit uncomfortable with this. What am I doing? I'm studying psychology. I'm kind of half a nurse. And then I'm doing this thing, which I don't know what I'm doing. So I was kind of being led by what people were asking for me, if that makes sense. And I think during that, I, I went and did a, a stall at the Mind Body Spirit Festival. And I just, you know, went there to, to show who I was um, that, you know, because people wanted to come and, and talk to me. So I thought, you know what, I'll go to the Mind Body Spirit Festival. I'll let people know that, like, I'm here to talk to. Uh, if you've got problems, I can help you with problems. And that, that I was like a, a magnet for people 
people were like, oh my gosh, what do you do? What are your services? How much do you charge? Can I come and see you next week? And I was like, what the hell is going on? You know, I, I'm, I, I was kind of, I was, I was actually bamboozled by what was going on. So that's when I knew something was calling me. Um, and I could see that I was, now I was putting together the pieces that the graduate diploma of psych was, you know, like a, a it was like a, it was my certificate and my stamp to go, you know what, I've, I've studied psychology and I've got some sound background in the way Western world kind of goes about it. Uh, I have my nursing degree, which again is kind of that solidarity and yep, cool, she's, she's done her studies and she's done some work. But there was this other side calling me out there to go now piece, start piecing this together, Kat. You know, piece this together. You've got now a story that people want to know more about. You've got pain that people want to know more about and how you started to overcome it. So I think it was I started talking to my boss at the nursing practice and um, I said to him, look, Doc, I used to call him Doc because we had a good relationship. I said, when I finish my my studies in the psychology, I said, I'm going to leave this place. I said, you know, there's, there's probably other nurses here that want to step into my role and I'll train them. Um, but if you can give me that time to just finish my studies, then, and then I'll leave. So I gave him plenty of notice, but then it came to the, I think it was the end of 2015. I can't remember the years. It was either 2014 or 2015. My boss turned around to me. He called me in for a meeting um, which was six months before I was meant to finish my diploma. He called me in, he handed me a 10 grand check and he said, you know, I love you, but there are people out there who need you more than we'd need you here. He said, go out there, don't be afraid and spread your wings. Wow. And I was like, oh my God, I hate you. <laughs> I was so Oh my God. I was like, no, 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 no. Just take it back. I'll stay. But he, he knew he could see my soul being squashed in that place. And, you know, he's a business owner and he just said, get out there. Like, just, just, just go out. I'm going to chuck you in the deep end and you're either going to sink or you're going to swim. And it must have been 24, I think it was 2015. Anyway, it doesn't matter what years. So that's when I, I was really then in the thick of like far out, I've got to make this thing work. Um, and that's, that's, that was my kick into starting my own business. <laughs> it certainly wasn't glamorous. I had this plan of like, you know, taking my time and, and I probably would have wasted the time if I took my time. Mm. Um, and yeah, the universe or my boss just had a different view and just said, sorry, dude, go. Um, and that was tough. Wow. That was tough. And I, I, I actually, I did, I struggled a lot cause I was, I was studying, I was trying to make money, um, through the business. It was stressful. I actually burnt myself out and put myself into hospital cause I was that burnt out, um, doing too much in the first year. So the first year, the first year it was, it was, it was full on, it was messy, but it, it, I made it work. It, it worked. I, I swam, but I drowned a few times. Um, well, I didn't drown, but you know, I was, <laughs> I was, I was under, my head was underwater for, you know, a little longer than was comfortable. So 
that's what that's what kickstarted what I'm doing now. Yeah, it's so cool, and <laughs> it's good because you can really share your lessons with the people that are stuck, mm. that feel trapped, that are probably really only living from like the darkness that you talk about. Yeah. Yep. And you put up a quote on Instagram quite recently. Um, if I can just find it about darkness, do you remember the the dark denies your life in the light? That's why yes. you suffer. Yes. I yes. think that's I put it up yesterday. Yes. See, I'm up yeah. to date. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I just wondered if you would share about the darkness side, you know, now, obviously you went through a lot of that and you've got lots of strategies, but do you still like, I'm assuming you're human and there's still moments where some of these old patterns come through, like what advice do you have with someone who needs to help get out of that darkness or what they do when they fall back into that trap? Yeah. The, um, People, I, I, they, they kind of think that I never have the dark mm. and my dark is dark, you know. I've got a dark, I've got a dark just like you have one. Everyone's got one, you know. And I think the, the, there's a few things that I, would, that, I, that I would say and this is what I say to my coaching clients is the dark, the dark is with us. We can't get rid of it. That, that voice that tells us, we're not enough, we're insignificant, we can't do it, we don't deserve it, we're unlovable, um, we're, we don't have the capacity to go out and, and, and do what we want to do or create what we want to create. It's, it's, this is an acceptance that we have to accept that that voice is never going to go away. And that's, that, that again, by accepting that, it's a, it's a door to freedom to go, oh, okay, so I don't have to spend the rest of my life trying to fix those beliefs or trying to, you know, go into these deep states of hypnotherapy to eradicate my egoic structure because that, that's a waste of time. It's a waste of time trying to fix the belief that you're not enough because time and time again, until the day you die, that belief will always come up. And so the issue that people have, and I have too, is that we we sh- we we have identified ourselves with the dark for a very long time, as in we believe what those dark thoughts are. And I think another one of my quotes on on Instagram is the problem is you think you are your thoughts, and with those dark thoughts that come up, we go, oh my god, yeah, you're right. It's like having a the worst best mate you can possibly think of, telling you you're not good enough you're unworthy, you're unlovable, you can't have what you want, you, you need to stay in this squashed capsule for the rest of your life whilst you watch everyone else live their dream and you turning to that, that God-awful best mate and go, yeah, you know what, you're totally right. That's where that, that's, I'm going to believe that. That's, what, that's where I'm going to live my life and, and, and stay in the confines of, the, of that belief system. So the problem is so many of us identify with that, that darkness, that limited self, that limited belief system. And so we deny our other best mate, our other best mate being the light self or the true self, the, 
the the super conscious self the the spirit the soul again whatever you want to whatever you want to call it that resonates best and then you've got that mate you know sharing with you you know this these are the dreams that are inside of you why don't you go out and just give it a crack you know why don't you just contact that person and see where that lands you or why don't you go and, and, and get that easel and get that paintbrush out and just see what comes out of you just for the sake of its own expression? And the problem is we look at that, we look at that really beautiful best mate and we go, no, nah, you know what? I just don't think I can believe you. I can't trust you. Or what you say, it involves too much hardness. It involves too much, too much hard work and... I'm just going to hang out with this other guy for the rest of my life or girl. I'm going to hang out with them for the rest of my life and, and be miserable. And that's all we think that we've got because we identify with that. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's good that you say that we're never really going to get rid of it because I think that could be a, a bit of a project that would only end up getting you oh my frustrated. God. <laughs> oh, my God. It is like I remember thinking that I have done so much work on myself. Here's one of my limiting beliefs. My limiting belief said, Kat, you need to have no negative thoughts in your head before you start coaching people. Right. You need to have, you, your thoughts need to be pure, powerful and positive from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep before you go and speak up on stage. Now, that limiting belief stems from I need to be perfect, that perfection exists and I must have it before I go and do anything. Now, with all the work that I had done and still having these negative thoughts, Steph, I drove myself mad. It, I drove myself mad thinking I shouldn't be thinking this thoughts. I shouldn't be thinking this thoughts. I can't do this. I'm inauthentic. I can't go and coach these people while I'll have negative thoughts. And this is, this is, that is the strong identification that I had with the dark side. And if I believed it, if I believed it and hung on to it and said, yeah, you know what, you're right, I actually wouldn't even be here talking to you. I wouldn't be helping the hundreds, if not thousands of people out there live a better life or free themselves from the confines of their own mind. That's how tricky it is to, to deal with that side. So my 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 the, the next step is it's learning it's it's the it's the art of mastering it's it well it's actually the war of mastering these two sides of yourself it is because it's a war it's actually not art it's a bloody war yeah i agree and it's messy you know there's guns there's blood there's knife there's guts tears um, everything mm. yeah absolutely so it's, 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 um, when you, when there's acceptance around, okay, this is a part of, this is a part of my life. How can I master it and no longer be a slave? That, that's the, that's the question we need to be asking ourselves, not how can I fix this? How can I get rid of it? How can I make myself perfect? So, you know, these thoughts don't come or how can I be good enough and then I can go and live my life. It's like, nah, dude, they're just going to, they're, they're going to be there. Now, what can I do to master myself? What can I, how can I become the master of my mind? So I know that those thoughts are there, but go on and live a cracker life and, and do what I want to do anyway. 
Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. So, I mean, you can't have night without day and you can't have light without dark. So it's yeah. a really good way to look at things. So I'm assuming you're going to say that meditation is a really big vehicle for you, considering that you are a, a meditation yeah. teacher. That was, um, that for me, I, I, what I noticed is that when I went into meditation or what I call it now to, to get people out of, oh, I can't meditate. It's like, oh, okay, shush. Let's just say, let's, because it's just an excuse, right? Oh my God, everybody says that. I'm not I know, I can't meditate or, you know, how long do you do it for? It's like, oh my God, please stop. I can't, I can't handle it. I can't. So what I like to see it as, it's a tune in. You're tuning in to your like the, the, the best radio station you could possibly tune into. So it's like you tuning in to Steph's soul for three minutes, for five minutes, for 10 minutes. And you know what? I'm going to go and tune in to the best radio station that's got the best frequency. It's got the best message. It's got the best music. It's got the best advice, the best wisdom, the best talkback radio I've ever listened to. I'm going to go and tune into that. That's how I look at meditation. That's how I, um, that's how I talk to, you know, the people in my tribe, the online meditation tribe. That's how I'm getting them to view meditation, even shifting them away from that word and just going, you know what, tune in, tune in to the, the best radio station you can possibly think of. And you'll see what's in there. There is gold in there. And what I have found is that my th- those dark thoughts or those e- that that egoic structure? It just doesn't exist when I tune in. You know, when I'm in there, it's like swimming in a pot of honey. It's like lying on the Maldives ocean with the sun pouring down on me, and I'm like, oh my god, I never want to get out of here. Um, that's what meditation. That that's what. I discovered through meditation and it's, it's, a, it's a place or it's an experience where that egoic structure isn't rampant. Yeah, beautiful. And I think it's really important, like most people love you for your down-to-earth nature and I think you have a really great way of explaining things that helps break down some of the bullshit stories that we do live with regards to meditation or what form mm. that might exist or how we might connect to that, you know, it's, it can come in so many shapes and forms and, 100%. I think, you know, you don't, you don't need to be a genius. The research is crystal clear on the benefits for health, longevity, you know, everything is yep. about finding a way to make it work. So I love that you make it so accessible for us. Yep. Well, I just, you know, with, again, I don't have rules around the way I share about meditation. You know, you can sit, you can lie, you can be at the beach, you can be in your bed because these, these, this is everyone's like, oh, how should I do it? Where should I do it? How long should I do it for? Should I be facing the sun? Should I be sitting upside down? Should I, should I not be in my bed? Um, and it's like, oh my God, this is what I mean. This is why you, what you said at the very beginning, it starts in your mind. Already, you say the word meditation, and people go, "Oh, here are all my rules and conditions and confines about meditation," and so it completely, it just, it just distracts you from what you should be doing, which is just sitting, lying, 
and tuning in, just like you tune into Mix 101.1 or Nova or whatever, any other podcast, it's no different to tuning in, but you're just tuning into yourself. But I understand people, a lot of people are afraid to kind of meet themselves and tune mm. into themselves because when you do that, you, you meet truth. You know, I remember I was afraid to meditate so I can appreciate where people come from. I don't, I actually don't buy into their excuses. I just tell them they're afraid to meet themselves. That's where it's really at because I know I was scared. And when I met myself in the process of meditation, I was like, oh my God, this is me. This is me. This is what is possible. This is what I want to do. And then when you open your eyes and you look at your life, you're like, wow, I am living nowhere near my capacity. And that's confronting. Oh, a hundred percent. It's that's the biggest <laughs> challenge for people because the thoughts are there and all they know is to attach to those thoughts, right? That's what they, that's what they've done their whole life. So, yep. you know, be, being busy or distracting yourself or whatever it is that takes you away from those thoughts is their safety net. And then meditation is like that absolute punch in the face of yep. I've actually got to listen and learn how to detach from the thoughts. Like you say, you are not your thoughts. Yep. Yeah. And you know what, again, I, I, I cognitively knew that for a long time, but I didn't get it. And I, Same. I got it when I was uh, in Vipassana. I did a 10 day Vipassana retreat, which is 10 days of silence. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't talk, you don't write, you don't look at anyone, you're <laughs> meditating for 10 which is the worst thing for me because I'm a very self-expressive person. <laughs> Can't dance. <laughs> oh, my God, you um, would have been, that would have been a I good know. challenge. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what did you do on Tuesdays? We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing because you can't even, like, oh have your phone God. or anything. <laughs> so um, it's, it, that, that taught me, I think, for... The first eight days of the 10, I was so attached to every thought. And then the last two days, two days, I came to this process of like, oh my God, I can just, I can actually watch them. I can actually watch them and go, is that real? No. Is that true? No. Do I want to believe that? No. Cool. I can just sit here now. And it was like, it was, you know, that, that, that landing, that when you, when you get something, when you know something cognitively, but when you get it for yourself, it's like, oh my God, there's the freedom. So anyway, I went on a tangent then. No, that's awesome. That's a cool <laughs> story. Now I'm dying to share um, your ZF Tuesday. Before we jump in, <laughs> yes. I just want to give our listeners a bit of a warning that we're about to drop the F-bomb. So if there's any kids listening in, please just mute us for a moment. <laughs> I don't mind personally, but I'm just making sure I don't offend anyone listening. Yeah, so I love this concept. What is ZF Tuesday, my dear? Ah, uh, so ZF Tuesday stands for Zero Fucks Tuesday. That's the, that's, the only, that's the last airfold drop in the in this <laughs> chat because now people can come back on. Um, so that's what it stands for, and it uh, the, the 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 concept behind it. To be perfectly honest, probably like most things, I did not I did not intend for this to to happen. This is something that I've always done in my personal life. When I was exploring myself and exploring my world of, of me, I started dancing. Uh, I've been a dancer since I was a little kid, but I'm in, in my home and just rocking it out and, and having some fun and, and really felt the difference in, in, the, in my freedom of self. 
and that that was a big contributor to just not caring so much about what what other people thought of me which was a big part of who I thought I was so over time that that has become a, a tool of mine and then when I met Steve who's my fiance he loves that too so we dance around the house and then there was one Tuesday when I was you know going to have a dance and have some fun I thought you know what I'll just record this because there was, you know, that little voice, that life voice that said, you should share this, share this with the people, share this with the world. You never know what can happen. So I thought, all right, I'll do a little dance and, you know, just record myself having a boogie. And I posted it up and, you know, use the hashtag ZF Tuesday because I just thought, well, I'm giving, I'm giving zero Fs right now, posting this up and, and making a bit of a fool of myself. Um, and it's just, it's totally just caught on. People have have come along for the ride of this and it's it, it's just been so obvious to me that this has now developed into a freedom movement, people feeling free to be themselves and, and to, to, again, free themselves from the confines of their mind of like, oh, my God, will I look like an idiot? Oh, my yeah. God, what if I can't dance? Oh, my God, they can dance but I can't. But their messages every Tuesday going, dude, thank you so much. You know, I've been dancing with me and my kids or me and my partner. And it's, yeah, it's a simple, a simple thought of I'll just share this has turned into something that is really bringing a lot of joy and freedom to people's lives. It's so, so good. I bloody love it. And you're trapped now because everyone's sitting there waiting on a Tuesday. I know. So you're stuck, girl. I know. I know. I know. I know. Well, actually, I'm launching something. I can probably mention it. Um, I'll mention it. I'll mention it because. Oh, top yeah, secret. I, know, I, know. I love it. I love it because you've got a bit of time. This, this is not released straight away. So. Okay, great, 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 great. So, so uh, because it's been such a hit, there's been a, a um, uh, what's it called, a, a rooftop in Melbourne. They contacted me and they said, you get your butt here, do something here. And I went there and we were, we were having a chat about what we could bring and we just said, we've got to have a live ZF Tuesday oh, dance. That's awesome. On the Melbourne rooftop. Yeah. So where this will be launching um, in October when. Uh, daylight saving kicks in on a Tuesday. Wait, oh my god, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be um I'll be announcing it tomorrow on ZF Tuesday. Um, and cannot wait, cannot wait. So it's been, yeah, it's you know people stop me in the street and say, my God, I love you dancing. Thank you so much. And it's it's very cool. It's very very cool. And it's Steve, isn't it? Your fiance. Yeah. He has a good crack too. I love it. <laughs> I bloody move. love that guy. He has a good <laughs> dance. <laughs> he does. He's got these shoulders that can just, you know. He just yeah, he gets into it. <laughs> and there was two guys on your page back in July. You'll know who oh, I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about. I'm just going to give them a bit of a shout out if you don't mind. Go for it. Squizzy Russell and Dusty Nuts with a Z. <laughs> I watched that. I've watched that so many times, by the way. I cack. I showed Ian, my my husband, and um, I was just in hysterics. Like 
And now I've decided <laughs> that if ever I need a good, like real cack, I'm going to watch that video. I mean, yours are great. Don't get me wrong, but these guys I have know. taken it next level, right? Next level. Absolutely. <laughs> next level. They are the outfits, the matching bloody I know. singlet. And I had messages coming in from people going, Oh my God, are they single? Are these oh, guys yeah. single? <laughs> So it is, yeah, and this is it. It's just brought joy and, yeah. and smiles. People look forward to Tuesday. And you know what? If if that's, if all I have to do is post a video of me dancing. In your PJs, yeah. <laughs> in my P, I know, that one was in my PJs. For, <laughs> and, and inspire, and if that inspires other people, then you know what? It's a, it's, it's far from a chore. It's, um, it's really special. It's really yeah, special. It's the best. I love it. Oh, yeah. Thank I, you. <laughs> I, will, I will actually record a video of myself doing it one day. So please, you and Ian, you and Ian. Oh yeah. Ian's getting in that for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, awesome. Awesome. So you've given us a bit of a snapshot as to what's coming up. Um, but I just want to hand the mic to you finally to give you a bit of a space to share any other exciting news. Um, definitely how our listeners can get in touch, work with you, find out more. So Go for it. Um, so the best place to probably head to is my website, which is catjohn.com.au, K-A-T-J-O-H-N. Um, that's the best way you can get a read-up of the speaking events or the tribe or the one-on-one coaching. It's got pricing up there. Everything's super transparent. So there's, there's no question of how much things cost. Um, the what have I got coming up? I've got a true self event series coming up, which is sold out in August. That's my free event that I run, which is an hour and a half of me talking very similar to what we we're talking about. However, I've got another one running in October, which I haven't um, put out just yet. And um, that can be something, you know, you can you can come and book into because it's a, it's a free event. It's a live event. Um, it's a talking event plus meditation um, and then you can get a better idea of what programs are coming up next as well. I'm just trying to think what else I've got coming up next. I'll be speaking at the Soul Star Journey at Fed Square in October. Um, that'll be on their website though. But the best bet is to just, if you don't follow me already on Instagram, it's the best place to follow. As Steph said, there's quotes on there. Um, there's Sunday free live empowerment and meditation sessions every Sunday at 9am. So that's also a good taste of, of checking out whether um, you dig my stuff or not. If you do join the tribe or if you do join the coaching program, which will be launched soon, um, it's always two weeks free access. So you get two weeks free access and see if you like it, see if you don't. If you do, you can continue. If you don't, you can always opt out. So it's, it's, it's all there to make it really easy to give stuff a trial and and see whether you like it. So I think that's all I can think about that's coming up, Steph. Yeah, There's probably awesome. more, but I've forgotten. Oh, we can say, Tuesday, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, big announcement. <laughs> so yes. Definitely all of that you can find out on Instagram and I'll yes. pop your website and um, everything that we've discussed today in the show notes. Kat, Brilliant. I could have spoken to you forever, but thank oh my God, you I so know. much. <laughs> um, I just, I've loved our conversation and I'm sure we'll cross paths in Elwood very soon. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, pleasure. Thanks, Steph. Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, 
before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love. See you next time on The Real Food Real. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.